weekend to be about more than just uh, barbecues. We want this weekend to be about more than uh, just having an extra day off or being able to get out on the lake for the first time or going down the water slides for the first time or jumping in the pool for the first time. We want this uh, weekend to be about more than just the unofficial beginning of summer. We do want to take some time this morning to just pause and remember those men and women who have given their lives as they have served our country to preserve and defend the very freedom that we enjoy this morning. I mean, the freedom that we have that allows us to be able to even come together like this today and decide to worship. Not every person, not every country has the same opportunity that we have this morning. So we certainly don't want to take that for granted. I, I read a story about Army Sergeant William Henry Osterkamp. Osterkamp served in the Army from 1951 to 1953. He served during the Korean War, and for much of the war, he was on the front lines in combat on the North Korean-South Korean border. And while he was in combat there, he was severely injured in his right leg. He was sent to the hospital. The Army doctors there misdiagnosed his injury, and eventually he was sent back out on the front lines. And for four months, he was in combat back there at that North Korean-South Korean border while his leg was fractured in two places. And eventually, he was awarded the Purple Heart. But what Sergeant Osterkamp is known for more than anything else is his assessment of his fellow soldiers following serving with them uh, during that Korean War when he just simply said, he said, all gave some, and some gave all. And we want to recognize this morning that some have given their all, that they have paid the ultimate price, that they have paid this ultimate sacrifice for the freedom that we uh, enjoy today. And so if you have a loved one, maybe a family member or a friend who gave their life in service for our country so that we can enjoy the freedom that we have today, would you just stand so that we can recognize you and honor you and remember those who have fallen uh, to preserve the liberty and the freedom that we have? Thank you very much. If there's anybody else, would you just stand? Yes, let's express our gratitude. I want to take a few moments and let's pray together and then we'll uh, we'll continue this morning all right let's pray father we thank you for the freedom that we enjoy here in this country that allows us to be able to come together like this today simply because we choose to be here to worship you we recognize that not every person not every country has this opportunity today and so father may we not take this moment of worship for granted may we not take our freedom for granted this morning father because many many men and women have given their lives for this freedom that we enjoy today. Many men and women have given their lives as they have served our nation and ultimately us. And so, Father, for those families and for those friends who have lost loved ones as they have served this country, we pray for peace for them. We pray for comfort for them on this weekend. And we ask, Father, that they would be blessed, that they would feel the gratitude and the thankfulness of a nation for their willingness to serve for their willingness to pay the ultimate sacrifice, to pay the ultimate price. And Father, may we take time, not just today, but every day, to pause and remember those who have given their lives, to pause and remember the freedom that we have here in this nation. Father, for those men and women who are serving today, we ask for your protection over them. We ask, Father, for that same blessing of peace and comfort for the families who have been left behind as their loved ones serve, their husbands, their wives, their brothers, their sisters their sons, their daughters. Father, that you would watch over them and protect them, that you would close the miles that exist between those families and those servicemen and women. And we thank you, Father, for their commitment. We thank you for their willingness to serve, knowing that they too one day may be called 
to pay the ultimate price. We thank you, Father, for the freedom that we enjoy in your Son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for the hope that we have in him, this hope of life beyond the grave. And we pray these things in his name. Amen. Well, we certainly are thankful for those men and women who signed up to serve knowing that they may pay the ultimate sacrifice and for those men and women who indeed did pay that ultimate sacrifice. You know, the Bible talks to us as followers of Jesus about being a sacrifice. And so if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to Romans chapter 12, if you would, please. Romans chapter 12, that's where we're going to go today as we just talk about this whole idea of following Jesus and being a sacrifice. Now, the, the vision that we have here at RCC is to be making new and growing disciples. And in its very simplest definition, a disciple is just a close follower of Jesus. And so this is what we believe God is calling us to do. We believe that God is calling us to make new followers of Jesus, while at the same time he's calling those of us who are followers of Jesus to be growing followers of Jesus as well. And what we're about to discover here in Romans chapter 12 is that Paul says, Paul who wrote Romans chapter 12 tells us that the way of following Jesus is all about living a life of sacrifice. Now we're just going to look at the first two verses here in Romans chapter 12 and we're going to kind of pick these apart together this morning. So just take a look at what Paul says here in verses 1 and 2. He says, therefore, I urge you brothers in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And so Paul says that we're to be these living sacrifices as we follow Jesus. And I think there's some implications for us this morning that we have to consider if we're really going to be these living sacrifices as disciples, as followers uh, of Jesus. And so I just want us to kind of dive into these implications this morning, okay? So hopefully you received a bulletin when you came in. There's some blanks on the back that you can fill in. You can kind of take some of your own notes and follow along with me this morning uh, if you would like here from Romans chapter 12. Here's the first implication that I want to talk about this morning here as a living sacrifice. We must choose to be a living sacrifice. If we're going to be these living sacrifices as we follow Jesus, then we must choose to be this living sacrifice. Paul tells us that this is actually a choice. Look at what he says there in verse 1. He says, therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. And, and so Paul says, I urge you to do this. I urge you to offer yourself as a living sacrifice. Now that word that Paul uses there for urge in the original New Testament language, it's a very strong word. It's a word that literally means I beg of you. And so what Paul is saying here is saying, look, I beg of you to do this. I beg of you to offer yourself as this living sacrifice. So in other words, we have a choice in this, friends. And this choice about whether or not to be a living sacrifice, really what it comes down to is, is, just, is just making this choice in light of everything that God has done for us through Jesus Christ. Because what does Paul say there in Romans chapter 12? He says that we're to make this choice. He urges us to be these living sacrifices in view of God's mercy that he extends to us. Now here's what we need to understand about what Paul's writing here in Romans chapter 12. When we get to verse 1 of Romans chapter 12, Paul's making this huge shift as he's writing this book of Romans. Because in the first 11 chapters, Paul has spent a lot of time talking about these spiritual principles. He spent a lot of time talking about these blessings that are ours in Christ. And so, for example, he spent time talking about our need to be rescued from our sin and what Jesus has done so that we can be rescued. He's talked about how we're identified with Christ. He's talked about how we're adopted into God's family. He's talked about how we're not set under the law anymore, but now we're set under God's grace. He's talked about uh, how, we are, uh, how we have God's Holy Spirit, this gift of living inside of us, his presence in us every single day. 
He's talked about how we can have this confidence that we'll never be separated from God's love. He's talked about how we can count on God's continued faithfulness to us day after day after day. So he's taken these first 11 chapters and he's talked about all these spiritual principles. He's talked about all these blessings that are ours. And then we get to Romans chapter 12 verse 1 and he makes this huge shift. And he says, here's some practical things. Here's what it is that I want you to do, what you're called to do in light of everything that God has done for you through Jesus. I beg of you to be this living sacrifice because of the mercy that God extends to you. This is a choice that we need to make. You know, Jesus talked about this choice that we needed to make every day. Look at what Jesus said. Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. And so Jesus says that every day on a daily basis, we have to choose to deny ourselves and take up our cross. He says that every day we have to choose to follow him. And then we get here to Romans chapter 12, and Paul says this is a choice. We need to choose to be living sacrifices in light of God's mercy that he extends to us. So in other words, this is what I love about Paul. He just doesn't tell us here in Romans chapter 12, this is what you should do. This is what I beg of you to do, right, to offer yourselves as living sacrifices. But then he also tells us why we should do it. It's because Jesus did everything that needed to be done so that we could be rescued from sin. It's because we're adopted into his family. It's because we have the gift of his Holy Spirit living in us. It's because we're identified with him. It's because we're set under his grace and not under the law. It's because we're never separated from God's love that Paul says this is why you should make this choice to be a living sacrifice. And so here's the question that we have to ask ourselves. And I've got this question here on your outline. It's a really important question. The question is this. In light of everything that God has done for us through Jesus, am I going to choose to be a living sacrifice? In light of everything that God has done for us through Jesus, am I going to choose to be a living sacrifice? Am I going to choose to follow Jesus? Am I going to choose to make my life all about Jesus? Or am I going to choose to make my life about myself? Now, this illustration may break down just a little bit, but I want to illustrate it this way, and then, uh, and then we'll move on, all right? I want you to imagine with me that I'm on a cruise, all right? So I'm cruising to, uh, to Mexico or the Bahamas or the Caribbean or Alaska, wherever it is you want me to go, all right? I'm on this cruise, and I'm having a great time. In fact, I'm having such a great time that before I know it, I go off the side of that ocean liner. I mean, I just go overboard, and I'm in the water. And I'm flailing around in the water, and I'm taking all this water into my lungs, and I'm getting exhausted. And while I'm down there in the water, there's a guy up on the deck who sees me in the ocean, and he throws me a life preserver. He throws me one of those. And so it lands in front of me, and I'm totally exhausted, and I can hardly breathe. And so I make my way over to that life preserver, and I hang on for dear life, and I'm pulled to safety. I'm rescued. I'm saved. And when I get up on the deck, I'm laying there on the ground, and I am like totally worn out, and I'm coughing all this water out of my lungs, and all these people have gathered around me to celebrate that I've been rescued they're celebrating that I've been saved and they're just waiting to see what I'm going to do next they're waiting to see what I'm going to say next and finally I get all the water out of my lungs and I take this breath and I say did you see how I grabbed a hold of that life preserver I mean did you see how tight I held on I think did you see the definition in my biceps let me check that out friends right I told you to imagine, right? And so I'm like, did you see the definition in my biceps? Did you see the dexterity in my wrist that allowed me to grab that, that uh, life preserver the way I did? I mean, I was awesome. I was all over that thing. Now, if that would have been my response, I'm guessing that most of you would agree that that's a totally insane response to that situation, right? I mean, if I draw all the attention to myself, it negates what actually happened. I mean, it negates that I was actually rescued and saved. But let's say I get up on the deck, 
All these people have gathered around to celebrate that I've been rescued and saved. And I get up and I go find the one who threw the life preserver and I embrace him and I get to know him and I tell him that I owe my life to him and that I'm willing to do whatever it is that he wants me to do. I'm guessing that most of you would say that's a more appropriate response. I mean, really, the only response there is that I would be willing to do whatever it is that he tells me to do. Now, you see where I'm going here with this? Friends, there was a time when we were all flailing around. But we weren't flailing around in the ocean. We were flailing around in sin. And before it was over, we were exhausted and we could hardly breathe. And so we realized that we needed to be rescued. We realized that we needed to be saved. And rather than God throwing us this, this is how he chose to save us. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to give his life for us on the cross. And so there was this day when we decided that we needed to be rescued, that we needed to be saved. And so we made this decision to give our hearts and our lives to Jesus. And, and all these people gathered around to celebrate this decision that we made. All these people gathered around to celebrate that we had been rescued and that we had been saved. And I can't speak for you, all right? So I, I don't know about you, so I'm just going to speak for myself. But I, I got to be honest and tell you that I am ashamed at how many times as I have followed Jesus, I've made life all about me. I'm ashamed at how many times as I've followed Jesus, I've made life about my biceps, right? When what I ought to be doing is I ought to be embracing the Savior and getting to know him and telling him that I owe him my life and that I'm willing to do whatever it is that he tells me to do, whatever it is that he calls me to do. And here in Romans chapter 12 through Paul, he calls me to be a living sacrifice. How about you? In light of everything that God has done for you through Jesus Christ, he sent his one and only son, Jesus, to give his life. And you make this decision to, to, to give him your heart and your life. You need to embrace him as the Savior. You need to get to know him. You need to tell him that you owe him your life. You need to tell him that you're willing to do whatever it is that he calls you to do. And what he's calling you to do here in Romans chapter 12 is the same thing that he's calling me to do. He's calling us to be living sacrifices. And so in light of everything that God has done for us through Jesus Christ, is this what we're going to choose? Are we going to choose to be this living sacrifice? This is the first implication. We need to make this choice to be a living sacrifice because he is the one who has saved us. Well, here's the second implication for us this morning. We, we must give ourselves fully as a living sacrifice. We, we need to give ourselves fully as living sacrifices. It means that we give our all, that this is all consuming, that every area of life is surrendered to God when we are these living sacrifices. Look again how Paul says it there in verse one. Look at what he says. He says, therefore I urge you, I beg of you to do this, brothers, in view of God's mercy, in light of everything that God has done for you through Jesus, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Now, I want you to understand that the people that Paul's writing to back in his day, th th this would have struck a very personal chord with them. They would have really understood what it meant to be a sacrifice because when we get to Romans chapter 12, we are not too far removed from the Old Testament sacrificial system. 
I mean, for hundreds and hundreds of years in the Old Testament, there was this sacrificial system because, because sin demanded a punishment. So what would happen is God's people would choose the choicest member of their flock, whether it was a bull or a sheep or a pigeon, and they would take that to the priest, and the priest would offer that animal as a sacrifice on the altar. They would sacrifice that animal, and the blood from that animal would satisfy the punishment for that person's sin. And so God set up this sacrificial system to help people understand that their sin demanded a punishment, but that he would also accept a substitute for that sin, for the punishment of that sin. So God was taking that animal rather than taking the sinner. And so this happens for hundreds and hundreds of years where you've got these animal sacrifices that are taking place and then Jesus comes along. And look at what Paul says in the New Testament about Jesus. He says, Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. And so Paul calls Jesus this Passover lamb. Look what the Hebrews writer says, talking about Jesus. He says, when this priest had offered, sin, had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. So you've got hundreds and hundreds of years of these animal sacrifices throughout the Old Testament. And then Paul comes along and says that Jesus was the Passover lamb. And then the Hebrews writer says that Jesus was the one and final sacrifice for sin. So in other words, everything that needed to be done, everything that needed to be accomplished so that we could be saved happened through the sacrifice of Jesus. So you've got all these animal sacrifices that take place throughout the Old Testament and then Jesus comes and totally destroys that sacrificial system because he's the one and final sacrifice. Now, also through the Old Testament, you find where God's people, they also offered these burnt offerings or these burnt sacrifices where they would bring the first fruits of their crops. So maybe it's like the first of the wheat harvest. So they'd bring this first of the wheat harvest to the priest and the priest would wave it up in the sky in front of the Lord, uh, signifying their gratitude and thanksgiving for what God had done. And then they would place that wheat on the altar and they would burn it and, it would, and the fire would totally consume the wheat. And the Old Testament says that that aroma was pleasing to the Lord. Now, here's what I want you to catch because this is what the people that Paul's writing to would have latched on to. When you sacrifice something, it's entirely consumed. And so these animals that were sacrificed at the altar, you know, these, these animals, the whole animal was totally set apart for God's intended purpose. It was totally set apart for God's use. You didn't sacrifice like half the bull. You didn't sacrifice like half the sheep. And the first fruit, you know, like the grain, if you brought the grain and it was burned there on the altar, that entire grain was burned. You didn't burn like half the grain. And so this is what the people would have latched onto. This is what they would have understood. If we're going to be these living sacrifices, it means that as a sacrifice, we totally surrender everything that we have and everything that we are to God. We surrender all of our life. We surrender all of our heart. We are all set aside. Every part of us, every part of me is set aside for God's intended purpose and for his use. It's all surrendered. And so here's the question that we have to ask. This question's on your outline. And the question is simply this. How in are you in your relationship with Jesus? How in are you in your relationship with Jesus? Have you surrendered all of your heart and all of your life to him? Have you surrendered all of your heart and all of your life to God? Because that's what it means to be a living sacrifice. How in are you in your relationship with Christ? Now, that's a really important question to ask because I think sometimes if we're not careful, 
we can live our lives where we've got all these different compartments, all right? So I want to show it to you this way. I've got these boxes up here, and I've got several boxes stacked. They're three deep here. And each box represents a different compartment that makes up our life. Now, understand, this is not to, meant to be like a comprehensive list, all right? There's other compartments maybe that you have that are, make up your life, all right? But I've got things up here like, uh, well, I've got, I've got spouse and job and and uh, I've got parenting, and then on the back side, there's finances and sports and hobbies and entertainment and other relationships, friendships. I've got all these different compartments. Now, you may think that this compartment's a little weird, but this is a compartment in my life, and so I, I really wanted to talk about this this morning because I'm preaching to myself here today. And uh, it, it just says car. Now, what this means is, you might think, well, that means that Brad's like obsessed with getting the latest and greatest new cars. No, that doesn't mean that at all because I don't ever buy new cars. So what this means more specifically is like driving. And it's not even my driving. It's the way other people drive. All right? And I'm just going to be real. I'm going to be honest. And don't you judge me because some of you are just like this, right? But the way other people drive is a huge challenge to my spiritual life. I remember uh, our oldest, Neil, he was probably about four or five. So this was maybe like, I don't know, 14, 15 years ago. And uh, he was in the back seat with me one day, and we were driving down the street. And it's the closest I've ever come to being involved in a serious accident. This guy pulled right out in front of us, and I literally slammed on the brakes. I mean, it was, you know, I come to like this screeching halt. And when the car finally stopped, we were like this far away from just T-boning this guy. And when that car finally came to a stop, little five-year-old Neil in the back seat, he said, Gosh darn, you stupid idiot. I turned around, I said, Neil, where have you heard that? Anybody want to take a guess at where he heard it? I'll never forget. I turned around and I yelled that to Neil. And Neil, you know, he turns white as a ghost and he's got these huge big eyes and he says, I heard that from you, Dad. So we got all these different compartments. Oh, yeah, and by the way, we've got this compartment over here too. It says God. And so we have this compartment, and we open up this compartment at like 8 o'clock on Sunday morning, right? Or we open it up at like 9.15, or we open it up at like 10.45. And so it becomes just a compartment too. And so, you know, what ends up happening is, is that we've got all these different compartments, and God just kind of blends in with everything else. He's just kind of a compartment like everything else in life. And so we try to keep these really organized. We try to keep them in some orderly fashion. Now, here's what we need to understand, friends. This is not what Paul calls us to as a living sacrifice. This is not what it means to be a living sacrifice. Oh, I'm supposed to surrender all my heart and all my life, so what that means is, is I, I just kind of keep everything all nice and neat and orderly and organized. I keep all these compartments organized. No, instead, here's what Paul calls us to in Romans chapter 12. He calls us to have one compartment, God. And everything else just kind of fits in this one compartment. And so here's what this means, because we have to talk about this, because this is a really serious implication if we're going to be a living sacrifice. Here's what this means. Think about this for just a second. The way that you talk to your spouse, the way you treat your spouse, the way you love your spouse, ought to be surrendered to God as a living sacrifice. The way you discipline your kids ought to be surrendered to God as a living sacrifice. The way you manage your finances ought to be surrendered to God as a living sacrifice. Now, I'm going to say this just for myself because, again, I, like I said, I'm preaching to myself and I need to 
I need to hear myself say this. The way you react when somebody pulls out in front of you in traffic ought to be surrendered to God as a living sacrifice. Now let me get real personal for just a second, can I? When you're sitting in the bleachers and that soccer goal is taken away from your kid or they're called out on strikes or the coach takes them out of the game for no apparent reason or they're called for a penalty, what you scream from the bleachers ought to be surrendered to God as a living sacrifice. What you look at on the computer in your free time ought to be surrendered to God as a living sacrifice. The way you talk about other people ought to be surrendered to God as a living sacrifice. You see, this is what God calls us to through Paul here in Romans chapter 12. It's not that we have all these really nice compartments and then we have the God compartment and and he just kind of blends in with everything else. It's that we have one compartment, God, and everything else fits into that. We surrender everything about us to him. We're totally and wholly set aside for his intended purpose and for his use. Look what the Bible says in Psalm 119. The Bible says, I seek you with all my heart. It says, I seek you with all my heart. Not, I seek you with the 8 o'clock part of my heart or the 915 part of my heart or the 1045 part of my heart. I seek you with all my heart. That's what it means to live as a living sacrifice. That we are totally and totally surrendered for God's intended purpose and for his use and for his glory. And so, how in are you in your relationship with Jesus? That's the second implication of what Paul writes. And then here's the third implication, and I'm almost finished. And that is that we must live as God says as a living sacrifice. We must live as God says as a living sacrifice. Go back to Romans 12 one more time. Look at verse 2. Paul says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So Paul says, a living sacrifice doesn't conform to the pattern of this world. A living sacrifice doesn't look like the rest of the world. A living sacrifice doesn't blend in with the world, but rather a living sacrifice stands out. And Paul says that we're transformed. And that's a very powerful word that Paul uses there. I mean, understand, this is about life change. This is about serious, genuine life change as followers of Jesus. Because that word for transform there, we've talked about this before, that word for transform that Paul uses there is the word, the root word that we use to get our English word metamorphosis. And what happens when you go through a metamorphosis? You're changed from the inside out. And so understand, here's what Paul's saying. Paul's saying, look, this isn't about appearing like you've got it all together on the outside. This isn't about external appearances. This isn't about walking in here on Sunday morning and looking like we've got it all together and then we walk out of here and we go to work or we go visit with our girlfriends or you know, our, our, our neighbors across the street or whatever it is that you do during the week. We walk out of here and then we do all this other stuff during the week and we look like we've got it all together. Actually, this is about admitting that we don't have it all together. It's about changing from the inside out. It's about this powerful life change, this transformation, going through this metamorphosis. And how does Paul say there in Romans 12 that we go through this metamorphosis, this transformation? What does he say? Look there in your Bibles and in verse 2. How does he say this happens? Anybody want to shout it out? Look there in your Bible. Yeah, by renewing your mind. Thank you. So we have to live the way 
that God wants us to live. And so here's the question we have to ask ourselves. This is the final question there on your outline. The question is this. Am I going to live life God's way or am I going to live life the world's way? Am I going to live God's way or am I going to live according to the world's way? Because let's face it, friends, there are a lot of people in the world today who will say that what the world has to offer is good and it's right and it's just and it's correct, and yet all of it goes against what God has for us. And the only way that we can really discover how it is that God wants us to live is if we get into his word. And so here's what Paul says. Paul says, look, if you want to change this, it's a change from the inside out, right? So Paul says, if you want to change this, then it begins by changing this, by changing the way you think. And if you want to change this, you got to get into this. If you want to change this, it begins by changing this. And if you want to change this, then you've got to get into this. Because God will lay out for us here in his word exactly how it is that he wants us to live. Our lives must match up with his purposes and his plans and his commands for us. And so, friends, if you want to live the way that God calls us to live, then you've got to be in his word. There's really no other way for this to happen. His word lays it all out for us very clearly. Look at what the Hebrews writer says. The Hebrews writer says the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. In 2 Timothy, Paul said, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Does that sound like the word can transform us? That the word can change us from the inside out. Paul goes on to say, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Psalm 119 says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. And so if you want to change this, it begins by changing this. And if you want to change this, then you've got to get into this. And you've heard me say this, I know, over and over for the five years that I've been here at RCC about how important it is to get into God's word. And so let me give you a few suggestions and then I'm done. You can go to the resource table at the back of the room. You can pick up one of these uh, daily devotional guides right here, and it will lead you through the Word on a daily basis where you can begin to get into the Word, and it'll change your heart because you'll begin to change your mind because you're in His Word, and you'll begin to see how it is that He wants you to live. And so you can stop by the resource table. We've got a whole stack of them back there, and you can pick one of these up. You can go, get on the computer, go to Google, and just type in Bible reading plans. That's all you need to type in. Just type in Bible reading plans. I did that this past week, and I'm guessing you're going to be overwhelmed with the number of reading plans that you can find online. You can get involved in a, a Sunday school class or a small group where you can connect with other people and, 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 and get with them and get into the Word, where you can begin to go through this powerful transformation, this metamorphosis, this change from the inside out. So if you're interested in getting involved in a Sunday school class or a small group, you can check that box there on your connection card, drop it in the offering tray a little bit later on, and Sean, uh, our discipleship pastor, he'd love to get a hold of you and begin the process of getting you plugged in. So you can do that at the table at the back of the room to my right, your left, we've got a table highlighting some of the Bible studies we're going to be doing this summer. We've got a ladies' study. We have a study for everyone on worship. We have another study for everyone on living a healthy lifestyle. You can get involved in these studies, begin to get into the Word, and go through this metamorphosis, this powerful transformation from the inside out. And so if we're going to be these living sacrifices, then we have to live the way that God says to live. Now, we've been talking about being these living sacrifices this morning, but here's the thing. We can't be a living sacrifice until we accept what Jesus Christ has done for us, that he has sacrificed himself, that he has given his life for us on the cross. Because the fact of the matter is, we needed to be saved. We needed to be rescued. We were flailing around in that sin, and rather than throwing the life preserver, 
God chose to send his son, Jesus Christ. And he came and willingly gave his life for us on the cross. This is what Jesus has done for us. He gave his life so that we could have life. He gave his life so that we could have this fullness of life. He, he gave his life so that we could have this hope of life after death. I mean, the only way that we have this fullness of life, the only way that we have the hope of this life after death is through Jesus. This isn't about becoming a better person. This is about surrendering all of our heart and all of our life to him. And so maybe you're here today and you're ready to make that decision. This is not about grabbing onto a life ring. This is not about grabbing onto a life preserver. This is about embracing the Savior and his name is Jesus. And so while we worship and sing here in just a moment, maybe this is a decision that you're ready to make today. You're ready to give your heart and life to Jesus, to live for him, to begin to become this living sacrifice, to go through this transformation from the inside out. And so if you're ready to make this decision today while we sing, I'll be standing down here. Sean will be down here with me. We'd love to talk with you, lead you through that decision. Or maybe you've got questions about what that means. What does it mean to follow Jesus? What does it mean to give my heart and life to Christ? What does it mean that he came and took my place and accepted the punishment for my sin? You know, questions are okay. I'd love for you to come and talk with us and let us know that you have questions and we'll set up a time where we can sit down later on and we'll answer all the questions that you have as best we can from his word. If you've already been immersed, you want to make RCC your home church while we worship and sing, come and talk with us. If you know somebody who needs a relationship with Christ, they're spiritually lost and they need this hope that we've been talking about this morning of life after death. If you'll just fill out one of those go cards and come and place those in the baskets over here on the corners, we'd love to pray for you and we'd love to pray for these people who need to know Jesus. I firmly believe with all my heart that a relationship with Christ begins by praying for those who are spiritually lost. And we'd love to pray for your friends and family members by name. And so fill out one of those cards and you can place them in the basket. Let's pray together and then we're going to move into this time of invitation. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Father, for the way that it encourages us, for the way that it challenges us. And Father, I pray this morning, as we've talked about over the course of this year, that we would be people here at RCC who live by the book and who live in the book where we're digging into your word so that we can go through this powerful transformation, where we can go through this metamorphosis and be changed from the inside out. Thank you, Father, for the work that you can do on our heart. Thank you for the work that you can do in our minds. Father, I also pray this morning that we would be people who would choose to be these living sacrifices in light of what you've done for us through Jesus Christ that we'd be willing to surrender every area of our life, that we would wholly and fully surrender our lives and our hearts to you. We thank you, Father, for Jesus. We do thank you for the hope that you hold out to us, for the grace that you hold out to us this morning. And maybe there's somebody here in this in this room right now, Father, who has just been flailing in sin and they realize that they're exhausted, they can hardly breathe. And they realize that they need to be rescued, that they need to be saved. Father, give them the boldness to take the step forward and not grab the life preserver, but to take the step forward this morning and embrace the Savior, Jesus Christ.
We pray these things in his name. Amen. Would you stand with me, please? If you are ready to make a decision to give your heart and life to Jesus, please come and talk with us. You have questions. Come and talk with us this morning. But if you're a follower of Jesus, you're one of these growing followers, I would encourage you to just, as we worship, just ponder the three questions that we've asked today. And just talk with God about what the answers to those questions might be in your life this morning. As we worship together, let's worship and sing together.